Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 34 of the Stomp the Bus show. My name is Mark Harris, and boy, we've got some news on the transfer portal front regarding ASU basketball, because this team is going to look a lot different next year. Obviously, you lose Desmond Cambridge and Luther Muhammad, Luther Muhammad uh, to eligibility. And I thought that would be mainly it, along with Enoch Boyachi, who transferred last week. But no, uh, three more players have entered the transfer portal, those being Jemiah Neal, DJ Horn, and Austin Nunez. Um, it's, look, on the surface, this is not great at all. I mean, you have a pretty good season, um, and three of your top guards or three of your guards that would be considered to be uh, top of the heap next year are leaving or most likely leaving. Look, we, we don't know. Um, you know, you see guys put their name in the portal and come back, but most likely that means they're gone. Um, DJ Horn's already heard from a bunch of schools um, from the transfer portal. So, and all, all I can say is like good for Like if everyone, you know, these guys have to make their decision. So I hope, their careers succeed, but from an ASU basketball perspective, um, not great, at least at first, uh, especially after Jemiah Neal's kind of coming out party later, late in the season. Uh, he had some great moments in the win over Nevada in the first four. He, he really played well in some of ASU's biggest games this year. Um, he was really good in the U of A win. Um, just a huge win there, but it, it stinks. You know, there's no, there's, I, I'm, it's weird because we know that ASU is going to bring in new transfers, right? So there's a chance this team could be at better than it was this past season, but we don't know that. We know that DJ Horn was a fairly consistent scorer for this team. We knew that Jemaine Neal was kind of coming into his own still as a basketball player but definitely had athletic potential. And when, and when it all clicked with him, it looked really good. Uh, like the Nevada game I just mentioned. And then Austin Nunez, um, we didn't see a lot of him towards the end of the year because of the concussion. Um, it felt like he kind of started off strong this season and then kind of faded as the season went on. But you kind of have to expect that a little bit from a, some freshmen, at least uh, just playing more games and, adjusted to a higher level of play. So I understand why he maybe wasn't seeing the most action later in the year, but at the same time, he was, he was someone that you really expected that could be like, okay, him and Frankie Collins in the backcourt. Cause uh, Nunez entered the portal later than Horn and Neil. So it's tough because you, you, is this just like, guys entering the portal because that's kind of how college basketball is. Is it like, Oh, they hate Bobby and they're leaving because of that. Is it NIL? Um, you know, who knows? Everyone enters the portal for a different reason. Um, for example, when Enoch Boyachi entered, it's made perfect sense for most Sunnable fans. He wasn't really getting playing time. Um, probably just wanted a fresh, you know, new scenery and can't blame him. With Horn, it seemed like there were some people on the know who who kind of felt this was a little more imminent than maybe the fan base in general. Um, so 
you know, there could be things behind the scenes. There were some rumors of his mom, like having a burner account on Twitter and trashing Hurley. So maybe things weren't great between him and the program. Uh, he did get suspended at one point this season. I want to say that was in February during the trip to the Bay area, but sometime around that point, but he came, came on strong. I mean, he literally hit the last shot of ASU season, uh, a game tying three against TCU. So that it hurts. DJ Horton had been here for a little bit too. So like fans were a little bit more familiar with him. Um, all I can say is I hope that from an ASU fan perspective, I hope that they can be, you know, replaced sounds a little harsh, but I hope that they can be replaced on this team by players of equal or better uh, skill level. So it just, it stinks that, I expected some guys to transfer because that's just how it is. I did not expect for Neil Horn and Austin Nunez to all transfer. That kind of surprised me. So maybe it's a good thing. Who knows? Um, and hopefully those guys do well at their next destinations. If it's not ASU, it is, it's so weird just with college football or college sports. It's just with the transfer portal, it's like you see guys leaving, but you don't know who's going to come in. So that's kind of the weird limbo that we're in as ASU fans. It's like, I want to be, if, if it's just like, Oh, they're just leaving because it's a bad program. Then there's a lot more to be harsh about, but we don't know how it's all going to unfold in the next few weeks in terms of who's transferring in. Uh, there have been reports of ASU being interested in guys. Uh, Kamari lands out of Louisville. I think he's a forward uh, puff Johnson from, North Carolina. He's a younger brother of Cam Johnson, former Suns. Suns guard, Suns forward guard. For, I don't know. Suns wing. Uh, Cam Johnson, current Nets wing. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, they're both getting uh, offers from tons of schools in the country. So who knows? But it shows the ASU is out there active. And hey, they did pick up someone uh, on Thursday. That being... Juco guard Malachi Davis from the transfer portal. You know, at first, don't love that it's a Juco guy. Um, he's originally 6'4 out of Toronto. Um, but this is this little sentence on Arizona Sports article that I'm reading. This kind of shows his potential uh, in higher level basketball. Quote, Davis is coming off a tear in the NJCAA tournament in which he put up 31, 48, 33, and 31 points en route to a Final Four appearance for Tallahassee Community College. Uh, Yusuf Ali on Twitter calls Malachi Davis the best scorer in JUCO. So, all right. I mean, if you're putting up 48 points in a college basketball game, you're putting up three straight games or four straight games of 30 or more points that's going to translate to the next level. It, it will. And he's, he has the size to do it. So that's encouraging. Um, and, you know, maybe who knows And the thing with the transfer portal is we don't know if guys are like encouraged to leave or are they just, do they just go on their own volition? And so maybe who knows, maybe the program pushed some of these guys out to bring Hey, we're bringing in this guy from Juco and he's going to take some of your minutes. So that could have been the reason for why they left. Although, you know, we don't know 
all the reasons why, but we know that th those three are leaving, you know? And so having someone like Davis come in, there's potential there. You know, he just averaging scoring that many points in, even if it's Juco, that's impressive. So we'll see, you know, how that, uh, how that all factors in at ASU. But another thing of importance is that ASU forward Devin Cambridge is coming back. Um, there's question about his, how much eligibility he have, like seemingly almost every college basketball player who's a little, who's, you know, uh, a little older because they got that extra year of eligibility from the COVID year. So it's good. It's good to have Devin Cambridge back because he was just the ultimate type of energizer bunny type basketball player, the type of player that, Coaches love because they never have to draw a play for him because he'll, he'll just grab a rebound and tip it back in or whatever. So uh had a great dunk in ASU's um, loss to TCU. So right now the only guys you, you know are coming back are Frankie Collins and Devin Cambridge. You assume Duke Brennan's coming back. Oh, there's probably someone on the bench I'm forgetting. But um, I'm not going to try to remember all of ASU's roster, but you definitely have a few guys coming back. You have Davis coming in. And, hey, look, there's still a chance that Warren Washington can return. And if he comes back, then you're feeling very good about this offseason because uh, Warren Washington had a strong year last year. It's been years since ASU had a legit seven-footer who you know, was also a competent offensive player. He could pass pretty well, had decent touch around the rim. Um, he's a good player. And so if ASU can get him back, that would, that would be really great. And that's not even talking about any of the other guys they could potentially add in from the portal. So it's, it's going to be a new, you know, new looking team <laughs> next year for ASU. And so it'll be interesting to see how the transfer portal plays out, but no matter what happens, it is just a little bit like, ah, oh, dang. Like, I thought we were going to be able to watch Austin Nunez in Maroon and Gold next year. And so maybe we will. Maybe he withdraws his name from the portal. Who knows? DJ Horn seems like he's probably gone. He's older. I could, I, I can see now that it's been a few days, I can see why that he's um, moving on. So, and Jemiah Neal, you know, who knows? It, it could be NIL and, ASU, it seems like ASU is in a much better place NIL-wise than they were this time a year ago. Well, it doesn't seem like it. They are in a much better place where they were this time a year ago. I mean, I don't have any reporting on that, but this the Sun Devil Angel Sun Sun Angel Collective has been around for so much longer. Um, so that 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 helps, but they don't. I just don't know what how how they're spending the money. You know. Is it is it worth it to them to dump all this money at a college basketball player like Jemiah Neal? Or would that money be better suited off going to a ASU football player that makes a difference or something? I you know, who knows? But it's still it it sucks, but I, I get it if it's for NIL. Um because that's the thing. It's it with these guys on paper, the fans expected maybe expect is the wrong word but anticipated 
these guys coming back because there was playing time, right? Luther Muhammad and Desmond Cambridge Jr. were both, uh, you know, leaving to play professional basketball somewhere. Hopefully for Luther, he can. Desmond surely will in Europe. Um, and when when it's someone who's leaving and there's a seemingly open spot for him on the roster, then that's when fans get uh, upset or I don't know what's the word tense, nervous about the state of the program. But as, as you just look at it, maybe from like a non ASU fan perspective, a 30,000 foot view, there's just transfer portals just on fire in college basketball, maybe even more so than college football, honestly. Um, and it's, it's just kind of par for the course of how things are going. And so it's, it's shocking to the individual fan base. It's like, oh my gosh, Austin Nunez left. DJ Horn is leaving. Jemiah Neal is leaving. But there's a lot of other fan bases around the country that are kind of feeling the same thing in some sense. So Hurley has proven or proved last year that he can build a winner out of transfers. I think um, having that great game against Nevada that was unopposed by anything else on television at that time, that helped. Uh because guys can see, hey, we play a free-flowing offense. It's There's freedom with what the players can do. We're not playing Wisconsin basketball. And to a lot of guards, specifically, that's going to be an attractive place to play and learn from a former NBA, NBA guard in Bobby Hurley. So we'll see. ASU basketball roster is definitely going to look different. But, you know, Today being Thursday, March 30th, seeing a guy like Malachi Davis transferring to ASU, that is a that's a step in the right direction. And so hopefully we'll get a few more um news alerts of player X is coming to Tempe or whatever in, in the next few weeks or so. Um it's interesting. The, um Greg Moore, who you guys if you're watching this as an ASU fan, you know who he is. He is a columnist at the Arizona Republic, and he is known for writing a lot of uh, attention-grabbing headlines, many would say controversial columns. Uh, he basically wrote a column prior to the NCAA tournament that Bobby Hurley should be fired, and now he has one that's titled why should Bobby Hurley be rewarded for mediocrity at Arizona state? And it's just, to me, when I see the criticisms of Bobby frame, like, Oh, he's being rewarded for mediocrity or he, you know, like what, why are fans so protective of him? You know, this team goes to the first four, you know, they, they, it's, it's not like we're, you know, advancing in the NCAA tournament, and I get that to a point, to a point. Like, obviously, I want ASU basketball to do well, and I, I don't want them to go to the first four every year. I want them to make the tournament, uh, you know, and not be sweating through Selection Sunday. But you have to you have to compare him to his peers at, at ASU basketball, the previous coaches, okay? And it's it's the Wikipedia test. Go look down Wikipedia, look at the records. It's been bad been bad for years the arena is a piece of crap we talked about this on last show and even though the school president doesn't think it you know affects winning it obviously affects winning obviously in terms of recruiting 
Well, maybe, maybe just in terms of recruiting, but that's a huge component to it. Um, you know, the arena's outdated. Talked about it. Don't want to get into it again. But that is a huge thing you have to consider when evaluating Bobby Hurley. And it's not like the arena is outdated and ASU basketball has the history of like, like some, I don't know, like a mid-tier basketball school, like uh, Illinois or Minnesota, something like that. Maybe those are, those schools are better historically, but schools that aren't great, but they've had some, you know, tournament runs here and there. ASU hasn't really even had that, you know? So to me, it's a, it's, it's not so much like, Bobby Hurley is accomplishing everything possibly that he could do as a head coach at Arizona state, because I do not believe that, you know, he's had, he had some rough moments this past season. Okay. I, I I'm sure I've been critical of him, you know, of that. And there's been some really ugly offensive stretches with this team. So it's not, again, he's not perfect. You know, I don't even know where I'd rank him in terms of the coaches in the PAC 12. Uh, but it's, I just, it just feels so unlikely that if you get rid of Bobby at this point in time in 2023, or you didn't resign him and just let his contract end last year, 2024, or he left to go somewhere else, it would be very difficult in my opinion, to find someone who would do meaningfully better than him. You know, I just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crap he has to deal with at ASU. You know, there's no winning history. There, the president of the school like doesn't care about athletics at all, or at least big time athletics. Um, th- those being, you could throw baseball and women's basketball in there too. Those being football, baseball, men's basketball, women's basketball. He doesn't. Crow does not prioritize those at all. Um, he's good at you know all the rest of his job. I think he's done a good job, but you know when it comes to athletics, there's a huge blind spot for him so that's obviously a uh, hindrance to you if you're an ASU basketball coach ASU men's basketball coach he does again there's no program history the arena is a dump the um the fan base is not in you know the fan base is not a huge basketball fan base now ASU this year it was you got all the students coming in for the UCLA game it was a Pretty good home environment for a good portion of the season. Uh, I think the fan base really likes Bobby because the fan base knows, hey, like, let's just hold on to what we have now. You know, it's it's like you're you're kind of a dumpy guy in high school. And, you know, all of a sudden this girl who's like, who, who you know, who's like a little bit out of your leagues, you know, you guys start hitting it off. You start talking, whatever. It doesn't even have to be high school. And, you know, she does some annoying things here and there, but are you just going to break up with her because of that? Like, you just want to go and be single again? You know, who knows? And I just think that that's where ASU is in the landscape of the Power Six college basketball conferences. Like, until the arena is um, renovated in some sense, then it's going to be it's going to be a tough sell versus any potential incoming coach. So. Again, I'm just ending this basketball part by saying I understand wanting more from Bobby. I do. But he has to be graded on a curve of ASU basketball and its history. Okay. So 
be careful for all the people who don't want him back and are annoyed that he's coming back. Just be careful what you wish for. That's all I could say. You know, it's not, we talk about football, how there, you know, issue football. If you look, if you do the Wikipedia list, there are very, there aren't as many like disaster seasons in there. What last year was like the worst season in, I think it was like 47 years, 45 years. So it was a long time since ASU had gone three and nine or a winning percentage uh, worse than that. So ASU basketball is not the same thing, you know, and I've seen some comparisons. Oh, you know, UConn has the better Hurley brother. And it's like, okay, yeah, Dan Hurley is a better coach than Bobby Hurley, but if you switched Bobby, if you put Bobby Hurley at UConn and Dan Hurley at ASU, I'd imagine the results look a lot more, a lot similar to what they are now than, uh, like, I don't think Dan Hurley would take ASU to the final four, you know, maybe, maybe if they got like hit some lucky shots or something, sure. But, you know, you could say that with a bunch of teams. I mean, look at the final four we have now. So, I'm just I'm defending Bobby in the sense that you have to grade him on a curve of ASU basketball. And so I just don't know if there if we could just do better. Like yeah, we could. We could do better. Sure. It you know, is, is there a 30% chance the next ASU basketball coach is better than Bobby Hurley? Sure. But 70% chance he's not or she's not even. So you know, look, it it stinks you know, with having transfers and, you know, losing to TCU. But I think most – I'm kind of just speaking to, like, some people here because I, I feel like most ASU fans are pretty supportive of Bobby, understand the challenges and the BS that he has to deal with. I mean, if you're a part of that coaching staff and you hear Michael Crow last week say, oh, Turing is functional. It has electricity, it has running water, it's functional, okay? I don't even know what you're complaining about. He also said, by the way, he also said in there that there were no serious injuries from uh, the lack of handrails. The lack of handrails in a Division One college basketball arena. Not some huge thing that you have to do. Not, even, not some huge project. And he said that Crow said there were no serious injuries. So there have been injuries, but there have not been serious injuries. Yeah. Just annoying. And, and you know, I kind of just brought that up organically. So, uh the good thing about Hurley is he is adept at the transfer portal. Um, we talked about DJ Horn. Guess what? He was a transfer at one point. Alonzo Gaffney transfer at one point. Hopefully he returns too because uh, he had a strong finish to the season. So I do trust him in the portal. And, you know, hopefully we can get a, a roster that looks fairly similar to the one uh, that we had this previous season. All right. Moving on to some spring football talk. Uh, I am not going to lie to you and say that I have super detailed analysis here, but I just wanted to touch on a few things, a few, uh, storylines, a few themes, a few, uh, just things I've noticed in the coverage of spring football. And I'm not, I don't mean the coverage of like, oh, they're not being critical enough of it or I, it just in terms of things that I've seen, uh, number one, it's good news and bad news. And it, well, it's, Bad news. It's Ben Coleman getting injured. That that stinks. Earlier this week, he was a starter last year at Cal, was expected to be the left guard this year, um, and 
lower leg injury, going to miss six to seven months. So that is not great, but that is why you bring in a bunch of guys on the offensive line, which they did. So uh, you have a guy like Joey Ramos who can play multiple positions. Uh, ASU fans didn't see him last year because he got injured, but uh, that hurts. That's really the only negative storyline coming out of ASU spring ball, but it is, it's not, this isn't some, this isn't a three to four month injury that he'll be able to get back fully healthy before the season. He's going to be out. uh, I can't do math in my head in terms of the months, but okay. April, May, June, July, August. So six to seven months. That means at, at best you can hope for he's back in like November. Um, which, yeah, that's it, it's tough. It's tough. And uh, I guess for Coleman, he'll he probably won't lose a year of eligibility for it. So that's good. But um, yeah, there's no, you know, spinning this. The only spin is we have other offensive linemen, but Coleman literally started last year in the in, in a Pac-12 team or for a Pac-12 team. So you know, there's just a level, there's just a base level of, okay, we, this guy's done it before, so we can plug him in, at, you know, guard and uh, move forward. But that will not be the case. So, you know, hopefully one of these other offensive linemen kind of steps up. Um, The thing that the, the two players that I have seen the most buzz around from ASU Number one, tight end Jalen Conyers. If you guys are on Twitter, it seems like there's a highlight of him every single day where he's like making a one-handed catch or the catch balls bounce around, one-handed catch, like bodying out a guy. I mean, this guy, he's going to be so good this year. Um, I'm going to look up his stats and filibuster for a little bit. But the way he ended the season was really, really impressive. And... Clearly he has a connection with Borgay as we saw last year in the end of the season. Um, and for me, like, I think he has a chance. I, it's tough. I, I think he has a chance to be a first round pick next year. Um, or at least in, in that range, you know, top 50 pick or something, top 60, maybe second round pick first or second, I'll, I'll say first or second round pick, but um, he's got the size listed at six, four. He's super athletic. Um, and I mean, the ball skills, again, if you are kind of unfamiliar with Jalen Conyers, it's J A L I N and then C O N Y E R S look him up on Twitter. This guy has been killing it at practice. Uh, I saw a video where he just kind of easily caught a ball while being defended really well by uh, Roe Torrance, who's one of ASU's better corners and is a big body. Um, and that's not easy to do to just, just easily grab it. So he's been really good. And I mean, last year, 38 catches for 422 yards and five touchdowns. That doesn't sound that great until you look at the game log and the bars loading, but it's just the athleticism with him. Um, he's clearly, he's clearly just improved so much. So anyway, he started out slow last year. Um, I think you could say maybe that's because Emory Jones was playing. He had a better connection with Borgay. Whatever the reason is, uh, his highest yardage, his best game 
before uh, the second half of the season was the USC loss. He had three catches for 25 yards. Starting uh, with the Colorado game, six catches, 108 yards, three touchdowns. Okay, that's a little bit skewed because Colorado was awful last year, but he also cooked them for three touchdowns and 100 yards. So, you know, at least he did what he was supposed to do. Against UCLA the next week, six catches or seven catches, 66 yards. Just a good, solid game. Probably had a few first down conversions in there. Um, that's what you want to see out of your tight end. Uh, the week after at Wazoo, one catch, but it went for a 47-yard touchdown. And I recommend you guys go look up that highlight. He bounced off like three defenders while running into the end zone. So, uh, again, that's a great sign. Week after, Oregon State, six catches, 49 yards. Good, solid game. And then in the Territorial Cup, 10 catches, 76 yards, one touchdown. So if Conyers, you saw it at the second half of last season where he had the bulk of his production, really started stacking up good games on top of each other. And by the way, this is not the Colorado game. Yeah, sure, I'll I'll make a a caveat for that one because they were terrible. But UCLA, okay, I mean, it's still that's still a better team than Colorado. Wazoo, Oregon State, he had decent games against them. Those were two of the top three defenses in the conference last year. So he was put he was producing against some of the better teams, uh, defenses he was playing. So if clearly you can see him build off that just by looking at the just by only looking at the highlights on Twitter. Like you can see that he's really progressed um as a player. And so you put him with the Dillingham offense and I mean, man, like, I think he can put up big, big numbers next year. He he's, he's, he's emerged as one of the team leaders. And if you look at the Dillingham offense last year, their tight ends were very productive. So very, very encouraged of what, I see, what I've seen uh, from Jalen Conyers at spring. And then the transfer that is really, um, really standing out so far. And I'm going to preface this by saying, again, like I'm not I'm not there. So I just, you know, see what's been reported. But uh, and because of that, it's always going to skew towards more like offensive guys, just because that's easier to evaluate uh, just as like a media member Um, and incoming receiver Xavier Guillory has been outstanding, you know, (laughs) just by just some of the clips I've seen. He has such great body control. He's quick. Uh, quick and he's fast too. You know, I, uh, they were doing the uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, the they were timing guys um by how fast they ran in terms of miles per hour. And Xavier Guillory went ran uh twenty two point eight two miles per hour. So or twenty two point seven eight. Uh, according to Joe Conley on Twitter, actually. So, but anyway, either way, that's really freaking fast. He is showing it on the field at spring. And I can't wait to see him in the spring game because that he's kind of the most, he's kind of the player I want to see the most in spring, just because he was playing at Idaho state last year, lower level of competition, but hasn't really slowed him down so far at spring. And I'm just encouraged by that. Uh, So, you know, seeing good stuff, noticing good stuff um the the ASU also had its pro day recently uh a lot of guys put up 20 on the bench which is 225 that's encouraging 
And Xavier Valde had a great, a great pro day. Um, he, he jumped, he had a 41 inch vertical looking at the exact numbers now. Yeah. He had a 40 inch vertical 10.3 broad jump, 22 bench press. Uh, I tweeted about this, but it was ridiculous that Xavier Valde did not get an invite to the combine. Um, I, that it just has to be some sort of oversight. I mean, I, I just don't know how, um, I just don't know how he wasn't brought in. I mean, I'm, I'm looking up his stats right now because I want to be correct on this, but he had a productive season. He, he was the lead back. Yeah. Ridiculous that he wasn't brought. Okay. 100, I'm sorry. 1,192 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns, 5.5 yards per carry. As we all know, those are not inflated by bowl games because ASU did not go to a bowl game. So that's what he did in a 12-game season on a bad team. The NFL effed up by not inviting to the combine. Doesn't matter. He killed it in the pro day. Hopefully he gets drafted. Him and him and Nessa Jade Silvera seem to have the best chance. Um, although Tamarcus Davis uh, had a 41-inch vertical, and I, and Cal Sowelli did pretty well in the pro day as well. But... Uh, Valde was really the one who turned the most heads. And I think it was like 25 NFL teams were, had representatives there. So people were watching and he, uh, he did a good job. And, you know, he, obviously Valde is only at ASU for one year. Um, but ho hopefully that really propels him into the NFL. So. Yeah. Just wanted to shout that out because it just seemed like an oversight not having him at the combine and he proved why by putting up great numbers. Um, shifting back to spring football, I kind of just went on a little tangent there about the pro day, but that's where they were uh, recording guys speed. And so when I brought up Xavier Guillory ran uh, 22 mile, 22.78 miles per hour, uh, that, that was part of it. So good stuff for guys with X first names. Uh Heading into ASU football and leaving ASU football. Um, one theme that I've noticed just by the coverage of spring football is Dillingham is bringing energy at practice. And apparently the way I've heard it described is it's beyond just like typical head coach energy. He's like typical head coach energy who is also 32 years old and is addicted to football, uh, which is good to see, you know, that's not Herm Edwards. That's not, you know, that's the opposite of Herm Edwards. And I think that's good for recruits. I think parents probably like it. I think, um, I think it's just better for today's college football player uh, to just have an energy, energetic environment at practice. You've seen a lot of clips. They're having got, they're having like defensive guys go run routes and get covered by the offensive guy. There was a great clip of, uh, is really, <laughs> there's a great clip of, defensive tackle Robbie Harrison he gets he gets somewhat open on Isaiah Glass uh you know in a practice route the ball gets perfectly thrown over his head right in the breakfast and he drops it and everyone was everyone watching it was expecting him to catch it because it looked like he had secured it uh then you see the ball on the ground <laughs> oh man that, that that's that's tough for uh the big guys to drop one like that but I like the energy built yeah. I like the energy Dillingham is bringing, um, setting the tone of what practice is going to be like. And 
Another really interesting thing, um, I think this was on early, sometime earlier this week, he let his team know, hey, you guys had a bad practice. The, the energy wasn't there, uh, passion, details, whatever, all the things that coaches say. And because there's good access for ASU football for the media, everyone noticed that. And I think it goes to D Dillingham. He always talked about being honest. And if you just say after practice, Hey guys, that we need to bring it, you know, our next practice. It, it means more coming from someone who is positive other times as well. You know, if you just have the hard ass coach, who's just saying, Oh, you guys weren't doing enough. It's always the same. It's just, you know, today's player is that's just going to sound like mush in their head. You know, it would to me and I'm five years older than the oldest of these guys. So uh, like that. And the other thing I like is it, uh, and it doesn't seem like there's just this pressure. Jane Rashada has to start uh, from the fan base or, and then it, you know, it really isn't from uh, the coaching staff. It seems like, it seems like, Rashad is just kind of progressing as if he were just, you know, Joe Smith, three-star quarterback from, you know, Riverside, California or something. He's not getting extra. It's not like, oh, it's the Jaden Rashada spring. It's the Jaden Rashada, you know, wh when's he going to start uh, this, you know, older, not older, but ASU fans may remember, you know, when Blake Barnett transferred in and it was very much like, oh, Blake Barnett, he's definitely going to start. You know, he was at Alabama, former five-star, and Manny Wilkins started. And Manny Wilkins was the better college quarterback. So, you know, it's 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 good that there's just not all this pressure on Rashada. Uh, you know, that'll change once the games start being played and, you know, either Borgay or Pine or Conover aren't playing well, and then, sure, bring in Rashada. But that's how fans operate, so... It's just how it is. The backup quarterback is always going to be super popular because you haven't seen him fail as often. Uh, and I, I didn't expect ASU to, you know, be putting all this extra pressure on Rashada, especially after all the, the saga he went through with the Florida collective, but it's good that it's good to see that it's not like, I guess maybe it's just a function of how many quarterbacks there are, right? You brought in Pine and Conover through the transfer portal. You still have Bennett Meredith and Dalen McLemore. And you still have Trenton Bourget, who, um, you know, I, I'm just excited to see who will end up winning this battle, this quarterback battle. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, the staff calls it at spring or do they have it go all the way through ball camp as well um maybe they'll let guys lower on the depth chart and know hey like you're gonna be the fifth guy you're gonna be the sixth guy maybe you should transfer uh just just because it's gonna be really tough for you to get on the field but in terms of uh you know starter backup third string i you know personally i think it'd be great if they figured it out uh by the end of spring but you're installing a new offense. You have new coaches, you know, new players uh, in terms of Rashada, Conover, and Pine. None of those guys were at ASU last year. So that's another adjustment. So I guess long story short with the quarterbacks, um, 
it just feels like we have options, you know, as ASU fans, at least I feel that way. You know, maybe there, again, there are some out there that just want Rashada. That's fine. Um, but I'm very, I'm very comfortable rolling into the season with Borgay as the starter and just letting it play out from there. You know, um, I think, I think um, it doesn't, I don't know how much athleticism will play a role in who's going to be the starter, you know, because if you watch Dillingham last year, he had Bo Nix quarterback, good athlete, ran a lot. Orgay is not that guy. Drew Pine, not quite that guy. Conover, not that guy. <coughs> Excuse me. So that is obviously, uh, that's a factor in it, but it doesn't seem like, or I'm sorry, that, that it, we'll, we'll just have to find out how much athleticism will play into it. But it seems like one of Dillingham's biggest things is ha not having sacks taken by quarterbacks and sometimes athletic quarterbacks do take more sacks because they can improvise and sometimes it works and it's great. And then other times you get tackled behind the line of scrimmage and you're behind the chains and all that. So, um, like I said, I'm just glad they have options. All right. Going to wrap up here with some interesting recruiting stuff I saw regarding ASU football, but nothing in terms of like, you know, at, like last week we talked about, oh, five-star Colin Simmons visiting ASU practice. N no hard news, but more just kind of interesting stuff for the long term. Um, there's an athletic article article by Ari Wasserman. Um, he answers, he's doing a mailbag and he answers a question. What schools do you think have severely underachieved in the recruiting in the last decade or so? Are there any new coaches that could really maximize that potential? He immediately goes to ASU as his answer. Um, and basically a lot of the reason why he picks ASU as being a team that could improve is because Dillingham and his staff understand the Valley and also our regressive recruiters. <clears throat> and it's starting to kind of be in action a little bit because uh, March 26th, Greg Powers, not ASU hockey coach, Greg Powers, uh, Greg Powers scout on, or G Powers scout on Twitter. He's the director of recruiting for Dave, Cam Dave Campbell's Texas football, which is a, um, a media outlet in Texas that's just all about all like high school, college, you know, football in Texas. Very big deal down there. Um, and he tweets out, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of Nebraska, Michigan, Arizona State, and USC talk with this top, with the top Texas high school recruits this cycle. Yeah, one of those schools is not like the other when it at least when it comes to big time recruiting. Um, that is very good to see because it's not just ASU, Michigan, uh, USC, and Nebraska are all in the mix with all these recruits. They're hitting the state hard. They're hitting the mix with the top Texas high school football recruits in this cycle. So you are you like with the best players you are getting into the room and that, I mean, that is just so important. Um, building those kind of connections in Texas, you know, with the high school football coaches, obviously super important. 
And it, and the other thing is it shows the staff has a plan. They are attacking Texas. We already have two recruits in our 2024 class, both from Texas. Um, Colin Simmons, obviously from Texas. And I think, I think it's a smart move, no matter what happens in terms of ASU's future conference, right? If you're in ASU, if ASU goes to the big 12, then it's very good to already have connect, Texas rooting, Texas recruiting connections because you're playing teams in Texas all the time. You're going to be in Texas. It's a Texas based conference. So that's obvious. If, if you stay in the Pac-12, it's also good to have Texas-based recruiting connections because, um, for one, that most likely means SMU is joining the Pac-12. And I've said earlier on the show how that uh, should be beneficial to ASU football. Um, but it's also just you're less competing in the West Coast and you're going to Texas. And for one, there's more just big bodies in Texas for the lines. And so that's th – then there are in California uh, relative to the population. And so that's important. Um, and it's just – it shows that you're – it shows that you're doing the, the kind of the obvious things that ASU fans have wanted to do. Um, and recruiting Texas is obvious in the sense that it's not that far away. Uh, you can sell that to – Texas recruits saying, hey, like, yes, we, we are West, but we're not super far West. It's a two-hour flight, you know, pretty much from any major city in Texas, it's going to be like two-hour flight. So not very far at all, you know, right by the airport, that always helps. But um, it's just smart. It's just smart strategy from them. And they're also using, you know, Carrington and Samples, Brian Carrington and Rashad Samples, assistant coaches on ASU, uh, can have connections in Texas and they're using them. And it's good to see. Um, it's good to see that instead of what at the peak of the previous staff, where they're just offering guys everywhere in the country. And that can work kind of, but I think it's good to really just kind of zone in on a few areas, you know, obviously Southern California after recruit, Arizona after recruit, Dillingham knows that. Uh, but Texas really establishing footholds in Texas is good, especially because some of these younger, you know, assistant coaches on ASU staff aren't going to be at ASU forever. So you have to take advantage of them, which sounds bad, take advantage of their skills while they're here. And yeah, you know, it's good to see. It's good to see. And I don't anticipate ASU's next recruiting cycle to be in the triple digits like it was with the last staff. So that's kind of it. Just wanted to touch on some things this week. Uh, Colton can make it this week. He'll be back on the next episode most likely. So uh, anyway, thanks for viewing. Uh, thanks for listening. If you're listening on the podcast, please like, and subscribe on YouTube. I, we forget to say that pretty much every time. <laughs> our YouTube presence uh, is kind of reflected in that. So love to build this show up a little more. So if you could like and subscribe and hey, like if you have ASU friends who, uh, you know, there's not a ton of ASU coverage in the Valley. Uh, you know, there's definitely some, of course, but if you're, if you know, they want just another ASU sports podcast in their life, uh, sports media, sports media is a generous term for what we do, but sports podcast in their life. Hey, just, 
tell them to check out Stomp the Bus. And yeah, with that, uh, hopefully, hopefully no more surprise uh, transfer portal entries from ASU basketball uh, until the next time we record. But um, yeah, thank you for listening and go Devils. <laughs>